Welcome back to another episode of the Madonna Get Together. I am your host, Wayne. And finally, enough love. We are back on track and back into the groove today to talk about the 2001 concert experience known as the Drowned World Tour. And I brought back not one, but two former guests. One helped us swim to the ocean floor to discuss the Ray of Light album. And the other helped us up to the skies and down to the ground when we talked about the music album. Please welcome back Zorian and Eric. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we're working in three different time zones right now. So yes. I'm in Richmond. Um, Zorian, you're in India. What part of India are you in? I'm in New Delhi, the capital. Ah, nice. And Eric, you are in Gay Perry. We. Oui. <laughs> so it, it took a little bit of scheduling to make sure that we can all meet at the same time and that it's not interfering with any of our schedules uh so i've never had two guys on at once before yeah, hey i'm talking about the show oh <laughs> get your mind out of the gutters <laughs> uh well how are you both uh zorian you go first. How are things been since we last talked? Um, things have been pretty good. I got a lot of DMs regarding my opinions on Candy Perfume Girl and about Liquid Love being another version of cunt. So that was oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun thing altogether. But I must say, I loved your episode with Felix Morales. He's a great guy and a great DJ. And I think that was a very cool episode. Uh, nice, thank obviously you. Obviously, I love Eric's episode too. The music album never sounded better after his opinions. Well, speaking of that, Eric, how have you been since we last spoke? Um, I've been good. Uh, I've been a little sick with COVID light symptoms, so I had to not do any of my own show because I just, I, my throat was really stuffed and I was really sick. How, although I was always negative for COVID, so I don't know, but. Um, yeah, but other than that, good. I'm ready to uh, record this, and then hopefully in the next few weeks record some more episodes for my own YouTube channel. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm just literally saying. <laughs> no, promote yourself. Seriously. <laughs> well, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right in. After an eight-year gap of not touring since the Girly Show in 1993, the Drown World Tour kicked off in Barcelona on June 9th of 2001. And we are recording today on June 9th. So how very serendipitous. Or as Madonna would like to say, there are no coincidences. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is totally unplanned. Yeah, so it, it debuted in Barcelona, Spain. Closed out on September 15th of 2001. The 15th being the last and rescheduled show from September 11th. Yes, that's September 11th, 9-11, unfortunately, um, due to the terrorist attacks. A total of 47 shows in five different countries, record-breaking sellouts. I believe L.A. sold out in, like, minutes um, when tickets went on sale. One of the ways of getting tickets was purchasing an AOL subscription, which I had done, and they ended up charging me, like, four different times, but I only got one set of tickets to the <laughs> the show. I I'm surprised that they charge you four times and like you got one. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't get four. I thought you'd get four, four tickets. Well, if I had gotten four, I don't think I'd be complaining as much, but 
Did you get your money? I back? only got one. I only got one set of tickets and only one login for AOL. So um, I had to call them. I, I mean, I got it all squared away and they refunded me and everything. But that was. Um, I remember that it was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. The tour was originally slated for 1999 after she had filmed the next best thing. But there were production delays. Uh, She then started working on the music album. She then got pregnant. Then she got married. So uh, this tour was basically put together in like three months. uh, And they rehearsed five days a week, 13 hours a day, which is kind of insane. But I guess that's um, kind of normal. (laughs) for Madonna to uh, work that hard and and get things in there. Um, Also, this is the point where a majority of the band that played for the promo performances, like with Ray of Light and Music, were primarily made up of her girly show band. But they, they basically brought in all new people. I guess I don't know exactly the details why. I know there was something uh, where she showed up on David Letterman and and her and Paul Schaefer had this exchange about her current musical director um, saying that like, Oh, he deserves a raise or something like that. And then she's like, Oh really? And she seemed a little bit, it it got like a little awkward for a second. Um, We talked about this, Eric in our show. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of interesting that there was an entirely new, basically a new band uh, for the drown world tour. Um, Michael Bland, who drummed for Prince and was in the New Power Generation, was originally supposed to be the drummer, um, but apparently he was too good. In Madonna's words, where it's like Babe Ruth playing for the minor leagues. Yeah, I see the point there. I mean, <laughs> Prince and Madonna are very drastically are drastically different musically, so I could see her point there. Yeah. So instead, they went with Steve Sidelink. I never know how to pronounce these people's names. I'm bad at pronouncing names. Um, and then Ron Powell on percussion, not Louis Conte. Uh, Mike McKnight and Marcus Brown on keyboards. Mike McKnight had been with her previously in other tours. Um, but anyway, we got Stuart Price, who was like only 24, 25 at the time, who became her musical director, which seemed like that came out of nowhere. So... I remember being like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him before. Um, and yeah, he had, he goes under a different moniker with his remixes with Ben White Duke um, and Jacques Leconte. But I I think it was just more of like, what's going to, what's the show going to sound like? Who is this guy? Um, he went on to produce two more records and be the musical director for at least two more tours. Monty Pittman, who Madonna was taking guitar lessons from, uh, and I believe as now, as of now, has been the longest person that she has worked with, aside from Donna DeLore. I think they've both worked with her for like a total of 21 years. So it'll be interesting to see if any future musical performances uh, feature him. Uh, speaking of Donna DeLore, her and Nikki are back. They're on background vocals and dancing duties. And then dancers. There's a whole slew of new dancers. Jamie King was the tour director, not Chris Shikoni, not her brother, but I believe he was brought in and consulting. At least that's what he says uh, in his in his book. <laughs> um, the classic. I know. <laughs> and then costume design was done by Jean-Paul Gaultier, Ariane Phillips, and D Squared. And I believe Versace, too, may have done a 
a customer to. I know I've, I've been rambling for a while. The show was divided into four acts. There was like the punk section, the geisha section, cyber cowgirl, and then like the finale and the, the finale and like the encore, the last act. Uh, the Drowned World Tour was named after the 1962 novel, The Drowned World, um, but also her song of the same title, Drowned World Substitute for Love, which also opens the show in a very unconventional way for Madonna to open the show with a slow song. In this punk section, the costumes were reminiscent of the punk scene of like the late 70s, early 80s, but of course like really glammed up. Um, and we get five songs performed. We get Drowned World Substitute for Love, Impressive Instant, Candy Perfume Girl with Madonna on guitar, which is a first, Beautiful Stranger, and Ray of Light. So what I wanted to do for this episode, which will be a little bit different, is I'm going to give each of you two minutes to tell me your favorite performance from the section. So I'm going to time you, and if you run out of time, that's it. And then I'll, I'll say mine as well. So uh, I flipped a coin at the beginning of this, and... Uh, Zorian, you are up first. (laughs) Pressure. Um, (laughs) So, three, two, one, go. um, My favorite performance in this section is Impressive Instant. Only because, like, A, I find that song such a fucking banger. I wish she won her little fight with Warner Brothers and they agreed to release that as a video instead of amazing. But I thought the entire mm. impressive instant performance was just so spectacular. I mean, I couldn't have thought a better performance at that time for the song. And I love the whole part where, you know, they're all the dancers and those gas masks and then they put this... Um, little tube of gas between her legs and it's like she's having a gassy cum shot all over the audience. <laughs> yes, Madonna appeals to my cum fetish is what to do. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, and I thought the entire bit about, like, you know, you know, it wasn't like, a, you know, when you hear the song in the music album, it's kind of like a, a sort of a, Techno electronica sensual dance track, but on the Drown World mm-hmm. Tour, they made the choreography harder. Like, you know, in the Brixton Academy concert, they had in that kiss me, kiss me part, the dancers were kissing her very tenderly. But on tour, yeah. they were doing it very rough, almost manhandling her. The entire concept seemed so manhandled, but at the same time, so elegant. So it kind of went in sync with the opening of the show, which was basically a punk rock cybernetic Venus coming out of an ocean of technology. Same way here, it's like all harder, more, harder, better, faster, stronger, if I have to quote oh my God. Punk. <laughs> I mean, I wish Madonna and Daft Punk worked on this tour together. It would have been so epic, but anyway, that's another story. So yeah, drum in the opening. And that's your time. Act. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. You did it. <laughs> okay, Eric, your turn. Ready and go. I think my favorite would be Candy Perfume Girl. Um, it's not my favorite song whatsoever. However, I think she really was passionate about it. It's very intense and raw and in your face. It's 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 a brutal performance. She's really giving her all. And the the uh, choreography with the dancers and even like 
during the musical breakdown in the middle, you know, the do, 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 mm-hmm. and there's like, they're spinning. It's so perfect and so perfectly done for like musical uh, performance, like, uh, sorry, like theatrical performance. And I thought it was like the big, it's not my favorite song, but she really sells it on stage and her playing guitar for that one song was pretty cool. Like I really like that uh, performance with the song. Um, but I also like Impress- Impressive Instant. I thought that was a great one too. But I think the Kenny Perfume Girl kind of embodied that whole punk era the most. I don't think there was really any duds. I Oh, I must comment on Beautiful Stranger at the end of it when she goes like this. It really reminded me of Cherish on Blonde Ambition. When like, it's like a cutesy moment, like at the end of all the punk, she's like, it was like a very, I don't know, soft tender moment. I don't know. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, opening for the most part as of, actually i did not love the intro drone world but i do really like the rest of it okay you kind of cheated because you talked about like four different songs <laughs> 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 one song <laughs> uh, can i add one little detail about candy perfume girl go ahead respond i love how on the dvd recording we have a shouting fuck off motherfuckers but in different cities, I believe, she used to shout something totally different. Like, uh, I think in one of the UK shows, she actually, you know, did this thing where she shouted, Get your tits up, get your tits up, get your tits up for the boys. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say that my my favorite performance in this section would also be Candy Perfume Girl because it was the first time we saw Madonna play guitar on tour. Um, I know she played guitar in you know like the Breakfast Club and the Emmys, uh, but the seeing her do it live and seeing her kind of like rock out to the song and be a rock star versus just a pop star was really interesting to me. Impressive Instant was a good track because it did sort of more or less open the show with energy. Yes. So we had the, you know, Drowned World Substitute for Love, which was kind of slow. I remember being at the show and people stood up, but then they were like, do I do I continue standing? Do I sit? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Because <laughs> the music was so slow. You never sit at a Madonna concert. Oh, of course not. I, I don't <laughs> think I've ever sat down. I, until she told us we could. And during Mad she basically made everyone sit down. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next section of the show, which is the geisha section. And we will forgo the conversation around cultural appropriation because I feel like we addressed that in Ray of Light for Nothing Really Matters. Um, ironically, Nothing Really Matters is not performed, but we get a video interlude, a first for Madonna at a concert which is essentially a full video for Paradise Not For Me, which is then followed by performances of Frozen with that amazing wingspan, uh, a little Open Your Heart Swell, which is not really a performance of Open Your Heart. It's just like one little musical thing that's done in the background. Then Nobody's Perfect, Murrow Girl Part 1, Sky Fits Heaven, Murrow Girl Part 2, What It Feels Like for a Girl Remix Video interlude uh, featuring a clip of what I can only really describe as anime porn called Perfect Blue. But I want to hear from you, what is your favorite performance of this section? So I'm going to let Eric go first this time. Two minutes, go. Okay, so my favorite part of the show was uh, Sky Fit 7. 
Um, it was my first time seeing Madonna live. I was 16, and when she did the spinning, um, you know, the... Oh, man, what's it called? The Hidden Dragon? Crouching Tiger, oh, Hidden Dragon. Hidden Dragon. I was amazed. I was amazed. And I was, uh, like, gay gasp at that moment. It really, like, <laughs> it was, it really changed my life. And everything about it, like, the dancing, the, the, the intense choreography, it was just so, like, she really took it to the next level. And, you know, like you said, she did not sing Nothing Really Matters, but I think this kind of made up for that because it was so well done and kind of the same theme, but elevated from the video where she just kind of moved around, whereas this was really intense, like top tier. And, um, yeah, I don't think she, she didn't touch the song at all. She left the song as is, so that was good. No, no weird remixes or anything. Um, really, yeah, I was a big fan of it, and, uh, yeah. Under two minutes. Okay, I can't talk for two minutes. <laughs> no, you're fine. Maybe should I change this to one minute? No. Why do you like it's not- <laughs> Zorian could never. Okay, Zorian, your turn. Ready and go. Okay, so my favorite performance in the geisha section is uh, the Open Your Heart Swell. <laughs> it's oh, 40 seconds I'm of- right now. I'm not because it's basically 40 seconds of pure perfection. I think everyone in the audience gay gasped the minute they heard the opening notes and they realized it's open your heart in a sort of Eastern pentatonic scaly vibe. I mean, I love Frozen. I love the arms. I love the wings. I love the kung fu choreography. I love everything about Frozen. Frozen is like the gold star. But those 40 seconds of open your heart are just pure perfection. There's nothing pretentious about it. There's just a guy representing her demons dancing above her to a song which is going to lead into a toxic relationship she has with her daddy figure in the next song, Be Perfect. So those 40 seconds from a storytelling perspective die the entire narrative of the geisha up beautifully. So, yes... My favorite part of the Geisha section is the 40-second Open Your Heart Swirl. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> However... <laughs> hey, at I least it's say, an original uh, answer. That is... You are correct. Um, but mine would 100% have to be Frozen. I think this was the first time us seeing her perform this on tour. We saw her perform it multiple times. Um, mostly either replicating the video or some variation of, you know, like the hand gestures uh, with, with, with what she did in the original video from performances that happened during the Ray of Light era. But the performance of this, you know, took it up to another level, the whole wingspan. So those who have not seen this, uh, she is in a kimono with the arm sleeves that span the entire cross of the stage. And then at the moment when the big beat kicks in, two dancers rip those sleeves off and they run across the stage, flying them like flags. And the, the whole like choreography with it, they used the remix of Frozen, which I thought was a very wise choice. The background videos that were playing at the same time, to me, like Frozen is perfection here. You would not leave cold watching this. That's true. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're doing good on time. 
we're made it to the third act, and this is the cyber cowgirl. We get the cowgirl theme that was the primary theme of the music album itself that it was based on. And in this section, we get I Deserve It, Don't Tell Me, Human Nature, the funny song, which I want to talk to you guys, which we might talk about before we get into our two minutes each, um, Secret, and then Gone, as well as in some cities, they got You'll See instead of Gone. So I want to talk a little bit about those first before we go into our two minutes. So what I like to point out, though, is that so far, no classic 80s or 90s tracks, and essentially, um, Secret and Human Nature don't really count. Well, I don't personally consider them as like a 90s uh, classic track because she had never performed these songs on tour before because she didn't tour for Bedtime Stories. So in a sense, this tour was technically served as promotion for not only Ray of Light and music, but also Bedtime Stories as well. Uh, but she only chose the two songs, Human Nature and Secret. Um, but the between those two tracks, she did what is referred to as the funny song. And um, I want to talk about this because it's essentially a new track, but I don't know the origins of it. Uh, I just know it's about her killing her dad, which I don't think is autobiographical. (laughs) Uh, But what are your thoughts on this track? Um, so I would say it's a it's a funny song. It shows her personality and her sense of humor was still around after you know going serious with three of lights and higher spiritual beings. She's still able to have, have fun and be funny. Like it was actually, I mean, retroactively, it's one of the last times on tour. I think she really went there and really like kind of went funny and dark. I, I mean, not just dark, but actually funny. And um, you know, it just shows she has a sense of humor and. She does like to kind of involve her dad, like, you know, (laughs) for a guy, you know, you have songs like, Oh Father, and this guy is like, "Uh, I didn't do this stuff, and then this song where she's doing it to him, like, yeah, it's great, and um, it just shows that she, you know, she loves her dad, and always kind of has them right there, kind of next to the stage, I guess, uh, metaphorically in her career, so yeah. I thought I liked it. That. Well, let's also not forget the fact where she joked about him raping her in yeah. Truth or Dare. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there is some, like, weird involvement of her dad in some of her work that she does. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I, if I had to interpret it myself, I think it's more of she knows that he gets uncomfortable about things, yeah. and this is her way of trying to get him to just relax. Yeah. I re- there's literally no... <laughs> Which doesn't help. I think it just makes him even more... <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think there's any merit to the, like, to the jokes. Like, I don't think there is any grain of truth, but um, definitely, like, he, she likes to push his buttons. So, yeah, the truth or dare thing, my God, that, that offhand... It was an offhand joke, too. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, Madonna. What are your thoughts, Zorian, on the funny song? Um, first of all, it's not that funny. Madonna's... <laughs> <laughs> I thought Madonna's not jokes on Truth or Dare were funnier than the funny song, but that's just me. Um, uh. But you know what's interesting? If you look at the previous section, we have the interrogation section, which basically from Nobody's, Nobody's Perfect, 
shows a toxic relationship with a daddy figure who she basically avenges in Skyfit 7 later. And now we have another daddy figure who she's literally singing about, a little daddy figure. And again, it's about a weird passive-aggressive vengeful killing song where she's literally cooking her dad in the barbecue, if I remember correctly. (laughs) So I think basically this is Madonna dealing with her daddy issues in her last-ditch attempt of trying to make peace with the fact that she has to still see him with Jim Gustafson by her side every time she's on stage. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because I don't think Madonna's forgiven Joan, and Joan knows that, which is why in a lot of Madonna fan communities, there's this gif of Madonna performing Love Spent, and Joan is just looking at her going, oh, okay, she's doing this again. (laughs) So I just think this is Madonna reenacting her daddy issues. And it's almost very Freudian in the sense that, you know, instead of she wants to love her dad and she wants to kill her dad. Such a typical Leo woman, I must say. I blame Joan. Poor Joan. <laughs> yes, let's blame everything I know. Joan. Poor Joan. She always looks like every time I've seen her, uh, well, in Truth or Dare, but also in the um, – there's, like, behind the scenes of, I think, either MDNA or maybe it's Sticky and Sweet uh, where Joan is, like, thanking her for buying a car. But, of course, she only bought it for her dad. She didn't buy it for, for her. Uh, and Joan is saying, like, oh, thank you so much for, for getting him this. And Madonna's like, of course, of course, but, like, kind of also not looking her in the eye and giving her the moment to let her say thank you. She's just kind of like doing other things. And it's, I, I feel like there's, I don't think Madonna has let go of that animosity of someone coming in and essentially replacing her mother. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's Joan's fault. I think it's, it's just more of, you know, those are things you don't necessarily, you can't control necessarily those emotions that are coming up, um, whether they're subconscious or uh, overt there, but, do you remember the Howard Stern interview when Madonna dropped a key about Joan getting pregnant with someone else's child and then moving out of the house to deliver it and come back, and she came back and married Tony Ciccone, her father? So yeah. I, I do not remember that. Yeah, so that was part of the Howard Stern interview. And so the thing oh, is, my gosh. I don't think we really know the depth of the animosity between Madonna and Joan and how toxic the relationship could have been. I mean, there's a reason there's still coldness within the, and I just mm-hmm. hope Madonna includes it in her biopic and not boring conversations with Melanie or Paula where they're just going, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that- what were you going to say, Eric? Well, first of all, I totally, that was a very well-spoken um, comment on Melanie and Paula's conversation with Madonna, because I was like, yeah, why do we want to hear a conversation with the sisters? Like, <laughs> anyways, um, I was going to say, like, Madonna's always alluded, like, to disliking Joan. Like, I mean, if you're a fan and you've read any book about her, like, it's all over. Mm-hmm. Like, Madonna has a long history about basically talking smack about her as much as possible. And, you know, it, from what I could gather in, in Madonna's career and what she's talked about is she doesn't, she never had a great uh, communication with her father. 
So it's very possible that he's the root of it. Like he kind of forced it to happen and Madonna and Joan had to deal with it in their own ways and they never came to a solid conclusion as a family together and just like Madonna's still dealing with it because she lost her mom. He's replacing her saying, this is your new mom forcing it. Yeah. And they're both kind of like, uh, what do we do now? Well, just live your life. And that's it. There's, there was no. Yeah. The bond never formed naturally. Yeah, so... It was, it was a forced bond that she accepted yeah. and, you know, dealt with it the best way she knew how Cause I get a good, the entirety of her life. I get a good aura from Joan. Um, I don't get a great one from Madonna, but I get a good one from Madonna. I think Joan seems like a warm person, so I I, I don't see if like like some kind of like she abused the, the position at any time. And Madonna is, is harboring the the trauma. I think it's literally just she was upset about her dad's decision, and they never resolved it. And Joan is just there, like having to deal with that. Yeah. To this day. So I did want to also touch a little bit on the gone and the replacement of you'll see. So I think there was some pressure from whoever was like you don't have any hits you're not playing any hits and and i think her response is like yeah i know i don't want to do any um but she did replace on a few cities uh i when i was looking in icon it said she did it between philadelphia and uh atlanta but i saw her in dc and she performed gone she did not perform you'll see so did either of you go to either of those shows and did you happen to see her perform You'll See or Gone? I, I saw her perform You'll See in Atlanta. She's performed You'll See. I don't know what, what night it was. I forgot, but she definitely performed You'll See. And I remember it being good, but then I remember seeing Gone on DVD or HBO later and thinking, wow, that is amazing. So You'll See was fine live. It was cute, but it wasn't like life-changing the way that other parts of the show were. How about you, Zorian? Um, I was 17 in India. I don't think I could have seen the Grand World Tour. Oh. <laughs> um, have you seen performance of it since? I mean, duh. What else do Madonna fans do? What do, what do you prefer? You'll see um, you're gone. So here's the thing. I know I might get a lot of hate from Madonna fans, but I always thought Gone was such a blast song. I mean, it's, I get it, it's deep, it's got its moments and blah, blah, blah. But you'll see such a beautifully dramatic song. I mean, what other song could work as a spiritual sequel to Take About and you'll see. And the fact that the video became like a sequel to Take About too. And the whole dramatic effect with the beat, that is so beautifully dramatic and what a brilliant way to end the section and I just wish there was a little additional content on the DVD which would show a proper professionally filmed performance of You'll See because You'll See is such a beautiful song and I don't think Madonna's ever going to perform it ever again in her career which is sad I do like Gone but I think it was interesting to see Madonna play with her set list because this is the first time again that she had done that where she kind of played around and switched out an entire song. So it's not like she added it. She replaced Gone with this. Um, And I agree. I like the dramatics of You'll See. For me, I think Gone was a better fit for that section. Uh, But I was also kind of 
really wrapped up in the music album um, and kind of embracing the fact that she wasn't doing any hits. She was only primarily doing songs from Ray of Light and music. So I was kind of wrapped up in that mindset that she had created for us. Whereas like, I loved hearing you'll see when I, when I ended up seeing like online performances of it. However, I, looking back now, I feel like gone is a better fit, but I'm not mad at it. Um, you can go online and you can find both performances. One, not so great quality. And of course, um, the DVD or HBO special, you can hear perfect quality of Gone. And I agree. I think they missed a lot of opportunities on that DVD. And we'll talk yeah. about those in a minute. Um, but since we've talked a lot about a third act, uh, I want to give you each your two minutes. Um, we're going to start with Zorian again. And I want you to tell me your favorite song from this section and why. And two minutes and go. Okay, so my favorite song is going to be Secret from this section because A, I love Secret. It's one of my favorite songs on the Bedtime Stories album. And when she performed it, when I was watching it on the HBO broadcast over here, I was literally gay-gasming all over and I got major side-eye <laughs> from my parents. But I don't know, it's like, the way she just, it's such a simple performance, her standing with a guitar, playing secret. And yet it was so powerful, the backdrop imagery with all the religious sites all over the world. Everything about it was just so beautiful. I mean, personally, I've never been a fan of cowboy aesthetics because, you know, I'm Indian and we know what Americans do with cowboys and Indians. So, yeah, so... <laughs> That thing aside, <laughs> I think just the addition of Secret elevated the entire section so much for me. Cool. You made it two minutes. Eric, what is your... Um, secret. <laughs> uh, when I saw it live, it was... This was my third concert ever in my life, and I was a huge Madonna fan. So when I went to go see her live, I was beyond excited. And to be honest, like in the beginning of the show, like with Drone World, I was like, huh... But, you know, by the middle, it was starting to pick up. But when she did Secret, I actually cried. It was so beautiful and so well done, so beautifully sung. And I love the instrumentation during the musical break. I really like this little instrumentation during the musical breaks. Um, and it's done in a different flavor, uh, and it's so beautiful. Um, she sounds amazing. And it's one of my favorite songs by Madonna. I think it's actually one of her top five melodic songs. Like a song you could listen to without music, background music, and just listen to the melody. You play it like on a keyboard. It's such a beautiful melody along with Bad Girl and Into the Groove. Really a strong melody. And live, it just comes alive. And it, it is a shame that she hasn't sung it live since because, I mean, we could go without, you know, the candy shop or, you know, like, <laughs> why don't you bring back Secret? Or Human Nature? <laughs> Secret wasn't a classic song. Like at that point, it was a moderate hit in the 1994, 95 era. It was kind of, you know, swept under the rug at that point in terms of music, you know, like the, the, the hits and stuff. So um, right. it was really great to see her sing that live. And it was very heartfelt. And again, she, like, I'm not a religious person. I'm not quoting Madonna. I'm not religious, but seeing all those beautiful Im the imagery along with the, uh, the song performance, it really made you believe why these people are religious. It's about that, the connection and the human, the, the human 
connection, not just strict rules. So yeah, just, you know. Did it make you want to pray? It did not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one's a difficult one for me because hearing you guys talk about secret, I, I'm rethinking my choice, but I am going to go ahead and, and say what mine originally was, which is gone. I really like how that kind of closed out the section of the show. You can tell it wasn't, you can tell it didn't close out the show. It just closed out that section. And I thought that was a, a really good um, way to close that out because I do enjoy that performance and I do enjoy that song. And it's very straightforward. It's the album version. It's there. It's very rarely you'll see Madonna just take a beat, take a breath, sit down, and perform songs. It's not very often that she does that. And she also talks a lot how she does not like to do that. But I also find that when she does that, you kind of get um, better vocals out of her and you get a little bit more emotion while she's performing. And that's why I like Gone. And I, I will like to point out when we were talking about the funny song, she did pull that after September 11th. She did not perform it on the September 13th, 14th, and 15th shows uh, when she performed in LA after the 9-11 attacks. And she also removed the section of um, killing the the guy in the geisha section. Yeah. As well as, well, th- there was two things, right? Like she broke one guy's neck and she also sh- shot someone with a shotgun Yeah. in that section. And I believe she removed that um, just out of respect of, of not having to see more death, uh, which I thought was a very wise choice for her. Yeah. It, it could have really made her look bad. She also changed Candy Perfume Girl post 9-11 she instead of the guy dominating the girl at the end the girl dominates the guy at the end she overcomes her assailant at the end yes and so again like very wise choices after you know something like that has happened and had this lasting effect and plus it was so fresh right after 9-11 because she 9-11 happened everyone mourned on uh, September 12th and then she before she went back to performing on September 13th, which I, I think, you know, I think the, the thought was not just that the show must go on, but the fact that, you know, I think people needed something to kind of take them out of what was happening for the moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, a two hour show like that could help. <clears throat> Very true. Okay. So we're up to the last act. We're doing good on time. Um, so the last act, uh, I'll just call the, the final act, because I don't like the names that has been referred to um, this. I, I just don't think it's appropriate, uh, at least not in this, not in 2022. Um, but the songs that we did get in this section are Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, a very instrumental version with the background dancers. And then <sighs> someone's going to come for me for my Spanish, but Thank you, Eric, <laughs> which is the Spanish version of what it feels like for a girl. And she sang the whole thing in Spanish. Then we finally get an 80s classic, La Isla Bonita. It's the first one of the show. And then we get Holiday, another Madonna classic, um, where she incorporated Stardust, Music Sounds Better With You. And then the encore closes out the show with music. So who went first last time? 
Sorian, I think you went first. Yeah. Eric, what is your favorite performance from this section? Two minutes, go. Uh, for me, my favorite is Lo Que Siente La Mujer. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, the remix used, which is slightly altered than the Maxi version, sorry, Maxi single version, um, is just gorgeous. Oh my gosh. It, seeing it live, it made me cry. <laughs> I cried twice at this tour. That was a cry. <laughs> and then when I see it live, when I, start, when I saw it live on HBO, um, it made me cry again. It's just so beautiful. And it's so well done. And even my mom, who's not the biggest Madonna fan, was a big fan of this performance. She went with us. And um, it was just, it, it's just so well choreographed. And her dancing is like perfect perfection. And the way she interacts with her dancers and the kind of androgynous look of everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of pick up a little bit of like Frida Kahlo, like a smidge of it there, like the inspiration in terms of the styling of the women and the men. It's very subtle, but I see something there. I could be wrong. And she sounds amazing. And the song, and honestly, I will, I actually prefer this version of the song to the album version of the song. Um, it's just, it really takes and breathes new life into the melody and to the lyrics. And in Spanish, it sounds amazing. And she's singing it perfectly in Spanish. So I don't speak perfect Spanish myself, so my judgment is not exactly the best, but I think that she did an amazing job. And I've always been really, always one of my top, top Madonna performances of all time. Like, this would be my favorite of uh, this entire section, yes. Uh, you did well on time. Did you say you went to go see this with your mom? I did, with my mom and my aunt. What was that like? Um, it was a little weird because, you know, it's your mom. And uh, as well, I, I mean, I would have preferred to go with like friends, but I think I was a gay kid in the South, so I didn't have a lot of um, Madonna fan friends. People actually called me Madonna at high school, so I, you know, went with my mom and my aunts. But um, it was still fun. I still had a great time. But I think I would have preferred to go with like people, you know, my age. Did they enjoy it? If maybe even if not as much as you did yes. because you're the fan, but did they like where did they walk away feeling like yes. amazed? Because I know when I when I was younger, I always wanted to try to get people to see why I loved her and try to look at them when they react to things. So it's it's always interesting to like what was their takeaway yeah. after they left? Yeah, my my aunt was already a Madonna fan, and then my mom was not. But however, afterwards. She wanted to listen to the music album a lot. She didn't like Ray of Light too much, but she did like the music album. And she she was like, she wanted me to make her a compilation with like Oh Father, Spanish Eyes, a bunch of the music songs. She liked the more acoustic songs like Gone and um, yeah, she was a she was a that's she, awesome. She a, you converted a minor you converted fan, a minor fan. To this day, she probably likes the same fifteen songs by her. Well, that's hey, great. that's something. That's, yeah, that's more than a lot of people. I mean, she likes Oh Father and Gone, so that's something. Yeah. Okay, Zorian, your turn. Two minutes. What's your favorite performance in this section? So, um, before I go into my favorite, I just got to say Lo Que Siente La Mujer is a close second because everything Eric said about the performance, that's exactly how I feel. But my favorite performance is Holiday. I know everyone's like, oh, Madonna constantly performs Holiday, but Fuck it. Every time she does Holiday, it's a fucking banger. 
even when she did the slow down album version and the Rebel Heart tour, it was a banger. <laughs> Holiday is like the perfect live Madonna song, be it on the Dick Clark show, be it on uh, Live Aid, be it on London Bisham at the fucking polka dotted bell bottoms. Holiday is a banger. And when she brought out Donna and Nikki and they did that weird way, I said, Pimp, you say hell, Pimp, oh, but. That didn't take away from the fact that the holiday performance was... I think the entire show, this is a song where Madonna was actually having the most fun performing. She was actually smiling in this performance. You could see the chemistry between her, Donna, and Nikki on fire. It was like, you know, a bunch of good friends meeting together and just having a good time. Granted, things with Nikki didn't end well after the stir, but still, that was the last time you could see Madonna really having a good time with Donna and Nikki. And they were just, it was just such a magical moment seeing them performing that song together for the last time in video recorded history, I guess. I know that's, that's kind of like, it's, it's very sad to think about that, that that was Nikki's last performance. Like it was the last time seeing them three as a, as, as their kind of like girl group. Um, be able to do something that's just them on stage. So I really enjoyed the fact that there wasn't like 37 dancers on stage at the same time um, with her trying to perform this song. But I believe, I don't know if they came up with the choreography or um, if, if one of the, but Jamie King like refused to choreograph it. He actually thought it was cringeworthy. I think those were his words. Um, but he was not a fan of the holiday performance, which, um, which tells me, you know, that he doesn't understand Madonna fans then. Exactly. Um, because <laughs> this whole show is, I think it, he probably got into the, helping direct this, this show because it was something different. It wasn't your typical Madonna performs the hits type of show. It was very, um, artsy. It felt like an art exhibit in many ways, very similar to the way like Madame X is. It's very dark. Um, the stage is always like darkly lit with lots of blue light. Um, so, but I, I will agree, it's it's very um, comforting as a Madonna fan to hear Holiday be played and see the three of them perform it together. Uh, but I will say my favorite performance is music just because it's it's probably the the hypest song of the entire show for me and i love you know seeing her do the how how many knee bends did she do (laughs) i don't know um but she she completely put all her energy she just spent you know hour and some odd change performing her ass off and then she comes in for the last song and gives it everything she has more so than I think some of the other performances earlier. Um, so I just like that the energy was really high. I still have some of the confetti that fell at the end of the song um, that I keep in a scrapbook. Uh, it's just the energy of it for me yeah. is what makes me a fan of that performance. What I want to talk about a little bit of is the differences between the shows that she had done previously and when she did this show. So there was an eight-year gap between the girly show and this one. 
And there was so much had changed with concert yeah. performances. So, you know, the technology has changed with like video screens and her playing guitar, which she hadn't done. And her her stage voice is different. And I don't know how to explain it, but um, I, I don't know if it was the Avita vocal training or what, but she sounds like, uh, I, I, I don't know, squawking <laughs> like a crow sometimes like a crow. where she's like, Oh, like she, she doesn't know how to get a, a yell out. And the, I don't know the, the way that she speaks to the audience is different than the way you heard her, her yell to the audience in the true, the yeah. who's that girl tour or blonde admission or even the girly show. So I just thought like there were so many different things. I'm just grateful that she didn't use the power of goodbye European performance vocals. <laughs> well, any of those power of goodbye performances, honestly, for me. I, I but I, I actually she didn't want to go higher. higher. <laughs> oh my god! Is... Why can't she sing that song live? Is it that hard? Like she sings it beautifully on the record. I, I think there's there's opportunities to do things in a studio you know, maybe do some vocal exercises and everything to maybe do that section of a song versus if you have to perform it from start to finish in a performance, I can see, you know, especially if like she has very specific demands about what the temperature needs to be like, no air conditioning. Oh, and I wanted to point that out. This is the first time I, this was my first concert seeing Madonna in DC. She didn't come on until I believe like 1030 at night. Um, and then she like rushed through the show. Like songs were just back to back to back to back. There was no like break at all. But I remember being there since seven o'clock, sitting in an arena with no air conditioning. Oh. Everyone was like sweating their ass off. The the concession stands ran out of bottled water. It was the worst until she came on stage. <laughs> wow. So so she came out. She you got there at seven thirty. She got out at ten thirty. She didn't come out till like ten thirty. I think she was still rehearsing when I arrived. This was at this was in Washington D.C. Um, and it's funny because I went and saw her two nights because after I had seen her, I was like, I want to see this again. So I went and bought tickets for the second night because there was some available. You know, there are always some available that come the day of. Uh, so I went and saw her again, and she performed close more closely on time. So you can tell the difference in how she took her time the second night versus the first night. Yeah. Well, she was, wasn't she making swept away? That was very important. So I don't know if it was during drum work. It was after. It was after. No, it was before. No, it was after. It was after because the paparazzi photos came in the tabloids of a shooting in Malta and Sardinia. We, I think Almost a year after the tour came out. Okay, so she was probably reading the script. That's why she came out on stage late. She was reading the script. <laughs> so all is forgiven, Madonna. You're reading the script. In Italian. She was ah, reading the Italian script. Yes. She's like, I'm going to be able to learn Italian. I'm going to do this whole movie in Italian. Because it was a remake, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> good, that was a good Madonna movie. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, so the Drown War Tour was filmed for HBO and then released on VHS and DVD, filmed in her hometown of Detroit, Michigan, 
and I think that's, this is the only one that was actually broadcast live because I believe um, Blonde Ambition Tour and Girly Show were pre-recorded. They called them live, but I don't believe it was actually live. It was um, a different show because there was projected weather, especially with um, Girly Show, right? Like there was, uh, I think it got rained out or was going to get rained out or something like that. So they used the prior night's performance. Um for the girly show that they showed on HBO. And I think something similar happened with uh, Bond Ambition Tour in France. Because, you know, like it, if, if we look at it now, you know, Eric, you're in Paris now, which is, um, what, five, six hours ahead of me. So if I'm watching a show at 8 o'clock at night, which is when it would premiere on HBO, 8 or 9 o'clock at night, yeah. you know, it's going to be... Um, like two o'clock in the morning yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's, this was the first time it was actually performed live, but when it did come out on DVD, they did, they did, they went back and did some um, post-production editing on it to give it a filter um, to use different camera shots. Cause if you watch the original one that was aired on HBO and if you watch the DVD, they have a different look to them and they also use different um, clips. Yeah. Uh, but I remember it was released the same day as GHB2 came out. And when you bought them together, you got a discount. I think it was like a dollar discount yeah. at Best Buy. <laughs> and the photography, the photography that was used was Rosie O'Donnell. I like the photo. I think it's good. Oh, it's a beautiful I think photo. I liked it. I think when it originally came out, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But now I, I, I love that. I like the back cover, but it's kind of a waste because I'd rather see a picture of her, like that, mm -hmm. her hand. Whose hand is it? Yeah. Um, okay, so while we still have some time, I want us to go through what is your favorite act of the show and why. And Eric, I'm going to let you have this one first. So tell me which, which section of the show is your favorite and why. Go. Overall, Geisha, um, it's just perfectly done, sewn together. There's some disturbing aspects to it, such as the uh, video interludes. I'm not a big fan of the uh, that because it, there's some violent sexual imagery. I'm not a fan of that. However, I do love the Nobody's Perfect is really cute. Open Your Heart Swell is really great. Um, Murgirl is, is effective. Uh, Sky Bits Heaven is amazing, the way the choreography and... Um, and also, uh, Paradise Not For Me, the video, I love it. I love that it got its own little yeah. video. I will. I kind of wish he would perform it live, but, you know, I can't. It's fine. It's just, it's my favorite. Like, it's the one that I associate with the most, um, the imagery and such. She really seemed to be a fan of that culture and really wanted to pay some, like, homage to it and not just come off as a casual, like, oh, I kind of like the look. Let me go. No, she really, like... Like bringing on the anime and all this and the, the choreography, like she really dove deep into that, and yeah. I liked it. I thought it was well done, and it aged well. Maybe not to all, but for all things, I think more than other Madonna things, I think this aged well more than Bitch on Madonna. Like <laughs> to me, that's like <laughs> that's more dated than um, than this. Um, so yeah, I would say the the geisha part was my by far favorite, by far. Okay, Zorian, two minutes, and go. 
Okay, first of all, bitch, I'm Madonna as a banger, and it's always going to be a banger. There I said, I'm going to die. Um, um, so, yeah, the best section for me is obviously the geisha section. It is the most artistic, theatrical portion of the show, which is what I totally dig. I love the whole storytelling arc. I love the dramatic Frozen intro. Obviously, my favorite being the Open Your Heart Swell. And uh, <laughs> um, I think the entire section was basically perfect storytelling encapsulated in 20 minutes or so. And I think that is what made the section so beautiful. It's like she literally put on a theatrical show in 20 minutes, told an entire story with so many themes altogether. And plus, you know, before she shoots the guy playing her inner demon, there's that moment in the Murgle video where she's wiping the blood off her face and she makes that smile. I mean, mm -hmm. what a fucking haunting image to end an act on. She didn't even need to shoot the guy at the end. They just ended it on that image. Perfection. I think the fact that she used blood and gore artistically, I thought that was so well done in that entire section. I am going to agree with you guys. The geisha section is, is my favorite. I just think it's very dramatic. It's very theatrical. Um, you could, she could literally create an entire show based on that section of the show. The, there are some low moments for me. I don't think I'm a fan of Nobody's Perfect, but this section as a whole, I would have to say, if I had to only watch one section of the show over and over, no pun intended, it would have to be the Geisha section. Probably closely followed by the Cowgirl section. Okay. Yeah, I like the Cowgirl. I mean, I think second would probably be the, like, look at the La Mujer section. I mean, mm -hmm. like, gosh, that's such a good section, too. It's such a small part, but, like, I like La Isa Bonita live, but it's, honestly, Liza Bonita is my favorite Madonna song. I wasn't crazy about that performance live. I just wasn't. It was good. I think... For me, it's the fact that she has performed that song so many times that there are other performances to compare it to, which, which you know, maybe this one isn't high up on the list for me, but I think it was, it was great to give people that because people lost their shit when she started singing that. But I got to say something about the Lysla Bonita performance. Um... So my sister and my cousin's sister were dating these really butch dude bro type of guys, you know, typical toxic patriarchal straight men. And one day they were mm -hmm. all hanging out at my house and I was playing a ripped audio file of this entire tour in the background. The minute the Lysla Bonita performance came on, all the dude bros stopped smoking weed and they just wanted to hear this over and over. And then... I think the next day they had the entire bunch of guy friends or whatever they called them. I don't get straight men at all. But anyway, they were all jamming to this version of Laisla Bonita. So I'm not saying that it's my favorite version of Laisla Bonita, but I love the fact that, you know, Madonna came up with something which could appeal to everyone. And considering straight men aren't her target demographic, she nailed it with this performance. She did. I, I mean, I think it's still a great performance. Yeah. Um, I just think in, in the context of 
I think it works for the context of this show compared to other La Isla performances. Girly Show is always going to take it for me. Yes. Girly Show is number one forever, forever. <laughs> There's no topic. I, but if you think about it, I don't think any performance from the Girly Show can be talked. Very true. It's, it's, That's fair. The Girly mm-hmm. Show is very opposite of me. It can't be talked. okay but i gotta ask you guys something so you know amongst a lot of madonna fans there are three shows which are like the pinnacle of madonna's live performance one is obviously girly show the second being blonde ambition and the third being confessions it's always these three are always everyone's top three so compared to them how would you rank the drum world tour for you Compared to which tours? Uh, Girly Show, Blonde Ambition, and Confessions. That these are the top three Madonna tours based on general fan consensus. Based on general Ooh. fan consensus, where would you put the Drown World Tour? Okay, I'm going to give my order, um, and I'm not going to provide any context or any explanation, and I think we should all do the same. Mainly because we only have like 10 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> uh Bond Mission will always be number one for me. Uh, then I'd have to go with Girly Show. Um, gosh, I I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to put Confessions third and Drown World Tour for, fourth. Eric, what's yours? I would put Girly Show first, Blonde Ambition second. Um, number three would probably be Confessions, then Drown World, and then like the Virgin Tour. That's my top five. But I really love the vocals from Who's That Girl. I, I mean, I have different reasons for why I like different shows. Bond Ambition, just because of, of its classic, um, just the way it resonates with me. It's when I started becoming a fan and everything like that. Girly Show, the band is phenomenal. Plus, it was a, a brilliant show based on the whole erotica theme. Um, I just said I wasn't going to do this confessions <laughs> because that was, I, I like the way that she, uh, incorporated older hits as well as with the confessions album and made everything sound fresh and remixed. I don't like that there wasn't holiday, but the erotica performance just blows it out of the water for me. Yeah. Um, and then drown world tour, which I love. It used to be in my number two slot, um, but I, I like how artistic that is. And so I appreciate it for that level of quality. I don't think there has been a show that has put that much artistry into like the costumes um, and the performance as, as much as this one was. Um, but, and I also like how dark it is just because it's so different than what Madonna had done previously. All right, Zorian, give yours. <laughs> okay, Blonde Ambition and Girly Show are tied at number one. I can't choose one over the other. They're both phenomenal and fantastic in every which way. So that puts <laughs> Confessions in the number two spot for me because it's such a fucking perfect show from start to finish. No dull moments at all. Um, You know, honestly... Drum World Tour for me is like an early blueprint for the MDNA tour because in a way it's like they're both very dark, they're both very experimental, there's a lot of storytelling going on in both shows and 
if you notice, MDNA, she upped her video projection game, and Groundwell was the first time she used like proper TV screen videos and everything. I think it's a there's a parallel between these two shows, if you think about it. Both are very dark. Both have a cathartic journey arch going on. They both have very distinctive storytelling acts. I don't know. I almost feel that there's a parallel between Groundwell and MDNA for some reason. But... And that's why these so wait, two which, come... which one... You, you can't have another tie. Why not? I'm, which, what's higher, us... Drown World Tour or MDNA? Uh, this I is can't... not RuPaul's Drag Race. You can't keep having ties. <laughs> when, I mean, I wouldn't mind if we lip-synced or the acts lip-synced for their lives in front of me right now. But... <laughs> Have Madonna lip sync for her life. She'd be great at it. <laughs> I say that in jest. I say that in jest. Um, okay, but which which one gets higher? Is it Drown World Tour or is it MDNA? Uh, um, if if someone said, I want to watch one of these tonight, which one do you recommend? I'd make them see MDNA because of the fucking love spent performance. I think that was... I don't think that's something she could ever, ever do again and she could never do in the past because that was a very powerful, raw performance for, at least from a theatrical point of view, the whole love spent performance, especially with the whole corset torture bit where, you know, the Marvin mm-hmm. comes and tightens the corset and all that was so beautiful. So just because of the love spent performance, I put MDNA up, but if she didn't add love spend at the end. It was just like a version extended. Then Drown World would come on top for me. Okay, fair. Well, with the time we have left, I wanted to read Madonna's letter that she put in her icon. I don't know. Should I do it in her accent or not? Well, I don't know. She Did she have an accent? Yeah, she did have an accent around this time. No, but I'll, I'll read it straightforward. You know, it was announced that she was going on tour. She always put a letter in the front of the Icon magazine. So I'm going to read it now. And she says, Dear friends, I know it took a really long time, eight years, but I'm going on the road. I promise you, Drowned World will be worth the wait. I've been working 12 hours a day, and I hope it will be a show my fans will love. I don't want to explain the show beforehand, but it's a very theatrical presentation of my music. I've taken my inspiration from many things. Martial arts, flamenco, country and western, punk rock, budo dance, the circus, and lots more. Jamie King is the director. Nikki and Donna are back with me again. I have great musicians and gorgeous dancers. I'll sing, I'll dance, and I'll fly. But that's all I'm telling you for now. By the way, I want to send my apologies to my fans in Cologne for the cancellation of my shows there, but I did not want to present a show that was not ready. Hopefully I can make it up to my German fans when I perform in Berlin. Your faith in me is much appreciated, and I am trying my best to give you something that you have never seen before. My family is great. Thank you so much for asking. Don't you think my husband did a great job on that video for what it feels like? We had lots of fun collaborating on it, and I can't believe MTV and VH1 only played it once. Life is good, but continuously hectic. I need more hours in the day. Here's to a great summer, and I will see you all at the show. Love, Madonna, Mrs. Richie. Hmm. That's cute. That was well done. 
Well, it's also, you know, we never got stuff like that. We didn't have the internet, right? So it was, this was the first time we, we'd see her make a response about something that was either upcoming or something that was in the works. So I thought it was great uh, that she did that for us um, and kind of give us something to get excited about because we didn't really, nowadays, you don't have anything to get excited about. You can find out the entire premise of a show, like when shows get released, they're all released at once most of the time now, um, or music gets leaked. And it's, it's just, I think it's hard to be a fan of something if you're not willing to, you know, open your presents before Christmas day, which I kind of don't like. I like the anticipation and I like getting excited over things. And when I can't get excited over it more out of the secrecy, like I want to be surprised. I want to be overwhelmed when I go to see something that I have never seen before. I don't want people to tell me about it. I don't want to hear what people have already said about it. I kind of just want that initial shock and surprise. You can still have that in modern day. You just have to like not, you have to like unfollow people and stuff, especially if you're, you, (laughs) you basically have to ignore all social media. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff you can like the next Madonna album. You don't listen to it. You don't, you, you wait until it comes out on vinyl. You go to the store, you pick it up. You listen to the vinyl. That's your first experience. It's very possible in modern day to do that. I mean, I think it's possible. It's just harder. It's harder. Yes. Oh, I wanted to point out um, the dancer. One of the dancers on her show has doesn't follow me, but continuously tags me in things when um, he has posted rehearsal footage, which he had never seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, Nito Lariosa is that the uh, is a the what the good looking one. They were all good looking. <laughs> really good looking one. Like I think he he is Hawaiian. I think it's him, yeah. Yeah. And he has um but yeah, he, he tags the Madonna Get Together podcast Ooh. and uh, when he posts things to his Instagram account. So I've been reposting it every time he tags yeah, me. I've it. seen it. Um, so I might repost a couple of those things because it's really interesting to see some of the the rehearsal footage as well as you know some of the live performances when it's just her and him dancing together. Yeah. I, I had such a massive crush on Jill Weather. Which one is that? Um, he was also in the Don't Tell Me video, but remember oh, when yes. the geisha section when Madonna's like you know coming up and he's the guy right in front of her with those beautiful chiseled and he's like abs, breathing, and, the- and you can see him like. Breathing the really abs yeah. just moving like that. Oh my god, yes. he was so fucking hot. And you know, I used to follow <laughs> him on Instagram earlier. He's still quite good looking, even to this day. Really? Wait, hot. what's his Beautiful. name? I'm sorry. What's his name? I may be pronouncing it wrong, but it's Jewel Weber. J U L W E B E R. It might be Jewel, like Julian, like short. Maybe. Jewel. Oh, Jewel short for Julian, possibly. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. I don't like his abs, but he's his face is wow. Yeah, he's it's a good-looking guy. Beautiful, gorgeous yeah, face. Yeah. Those take lips. It's like perfect boyfriend baby <laughs> material. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, I'll see if I'll leave that in the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you both. I know this is a different format. I'd like to hear from the listeners if they liked this format or not. When I talk about tours. Um, but if not, uh, you know, maybe I'll change it back. I don't know. Um, but I want to give you both the chance where remind people how they can say hello to you or reach out to you. 
Zorian. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. My ID is Ajnajog, which is A-J-N-A-J-O-G. If you can't understand that, Wayne will tag me and you can find me and you can tell me about what you thought of my crazy opinions and whether you think Jill Weber's hot or not. <laughs> and Eric, where can people say hi to you? Um, I'm on YouTube with my own channel, Vibology Reviews. So you could just look up the word Vibology with a V, V-I-B as in boy, E-O-L-U-Y, uh, reviews and reacts. I do long uh, reviews about albums, so deep dives. And on Instagram, it's Vibology dot. 89620, um, same spelling. It's the Paula Abdul song, Vibology. Yes. Oh, what is the next review you're going to do? You know, I really want to do Rebel Hearts. I'm thinking of being naughty for once. Ooh. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> I've been doing albums I love and, and gushing over them. And then why not do something a little more, you know, edgy? <laughs> You need that balance. You need that contrast. Time. The time has come. Yes. Especially because Rebel Heart is so rare on vinyl now, so I can like show up. The time is right now. You got to decide. It is. But yeah. Be in the back or be the star. We'll see. Uh, Look so- at you quoting Heart Candy album lyrics. I know. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you coming back and we were able to, to you know, work together on our 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 different time zones and be able to record this. Um, But thank you again. Hope you guys have a great night, day, whatever time it is there. I don't know anymore. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.